Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday people share real and personal stories. Some are profound and challenging, while others are more common and relatable, shared with honesty and humor. But all of these stories reveal what God can do in our lives when we trust Him with the details. Thanks for joining us. Hi, everyone. This is your host, Kelly, from the Storytellers Live team. On each episode, you'll hear a different woman share her story of God's transforming love. These stories are recorded in a live setting at weekly local gatherings, where we're aiming to build community through sharing, connecting, and encouraging one another. Most importantly, these stories reveal the faithfulness of God and how He can take what's ordinary and broken and exchange it for extraordinary and redeemed. Today, we have several stories to share with you. We have a panel of three women, Kelly, Marty, and Carolyn, who will answer some questions and share stories that give us insight into the daily lives of moms raising children with various needs, the challenges, the joys, the unique routines, the comments that occasionally come from strangers in public places, and the ways that God has shown up in the hardest of hard times. The beauty of getting a personal peek into their day-to-day living is that understanding breeds empathy. Empathy leads to more thoughtful conversations and actions, and those hopefully spark relationships or deepen them. And all of that, in turn, builds a strong and healthy community. And that is why we have local gatherings and why we're not just a podcast. You can find out more about how to locate or launch a group in your area by visiting our website, storytellerslive.org. So thank you to Kelly, Marty, and Carolyn for being vulnerable and willing to share their lives with us. Thank y'all so much. I was so excited um, and really humbled when Robin called and asked me to do this. So just a little bit about me. I'm, my name is Kelly Rayner. I'm married. My husband's name is Matt. And we have three boys, um, Matthew, Andrew, and Vaughn. Um, they're 15, 13, and Vaughn just turned 10. So Vaughn is my son with differing needs. I would say we all have differing needs at our house. But uh, Vaughn was born with Down syndrome. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about just the day he was born and um, and what that's looked like for us. Um, he was born on March 30th, 2009. So um, one of the, the neat stories um, about Vaughn is I, when I was pregnant, we never found out the sex of our children. And um, so Matthew was five when I was pregnant with Vaughn and he um, wanted a sister. He kept saying, I want a baby sister. I want a baby sister because he had a brother and why not do something different? And I was like, why well, just, you know, I don't know. God's going to give us exactly what we need. And it's, you know, if it's a boy or a girl, it'll, it'll be perfect. And, um, and so about two months before I had Vaughn, um, Matthew began calling the baby Catherine Joy. He was like, mom, you're going to have a girl. Her name's going to be Catherine Joy. <laughs> she's going to weigh seven pounds. And I was like, okay. I was like, well, so I was, I really remember a moment in the shower going, Lord, have you given him the gift of prophecy? Like this is, I'm getting a little freaked out here. And um, so from that point on, Matthew, we all started referring to the baby as baby joy. And um, which was so, I mean, that was just kind of what we did. And so I went in the day that Vaughn was born, I went for an appointment and I begged my, um, OBGYN to do an ultrasound because we were going to induce a little early. Um, I had had Andrew without um, 
not on purpose, but without an epidural. And so Matt was like, we are not doing that again. And so um, anyway, so I was like, that's fine. So we, um, we, were, we had scheduled a little early. And even though we had been talking about baby joy, I kind of felt pretty strong that we were having another boy. And I was a little bit worried about lung development, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so we went in, had the ultrasound. And Dr. Corey, my, my OBGYN, said, um, hey, listen, the, the cord's around the baby's neck. And I was like, oh, my word, you know, what? Let's do it today. And he was like, no, it's fine. But I just want you to be aware. We may have to do a C-section. I was like, okay. So I got home and I truly, there's not very many times that I get on my knees and pray. But I was like, Lord, I cannot wait a week. Like, you're going to have to do something today. And I had him that night. So um, I feel like that was my first little, okay, we're, I'm going to hear you on this one. So I went into labor an hour and a half after I left the, the OBGYN's office. Um, Vaughn was born in the early evening hours, around seven or so. He was blue when he came out. He looked very different than my other children, but I got a snapshot view of him and they whisked him off to the nursery. So everyone's there celebrating. My parents had made it down. Um, and we had a lot of my girlfriends, we were in Montgomery at the time. And um, my OBGYN left and about 30 minutes later, he came walking back down the hallway and was like, hey, I need to talk to Kelly and Matt. And so everybody leaves the room and he comes in and says, hey, I gotta, I've got some suspicions that Vaughn may have um, Down syndrome. And I remember distinctly saying, doesn't that happen to old people? And he was like, well, not always. And he starts giving me all these statistics. And I was like, no, really, like, when did that, what made that happen? Like, how does that happen? You know, and he made a statement that I didn't hear that day, but I heard later. And it was, I think this was, this happened a long time ago before you and Matt even met, you know, that this was meant to be. And I was like, okay. And then my cute husband was like, oh, we're the perfect parents for this. I was like, whatever. You know, really, I mean, you know, it's so in that moment of, of just the reality of we're about to go walk down this road of blood tests, Matt thinks we're the perfect people for this. I'm trying to figure out that I'm like really young and I had this baby that I think old people have. And, you know, and then I've got my kid that I'm worried that Matthew's going to be disappointed that it's a boy, you know, and not a girl. So I had a lot of emotions in that in that moment. But the neat part about baby joy was that once we were confirmed with the diagnosis, um, I cannot tell you how many people used that word to describe Vaughn or to describe people with Down syndrome. And I just really felt the the tenderness of the Lord in that, that it was like he really kind of prepared me eight weeks before he got here. But I didn't know at the time. But I but anyway, so we call him our joy boy a lot because he does bring a lot of joy, but there's a lot of hard too. So um, anyway, I think I'm gonna let Carolyn tell your story. Is that good? So my name is Carolyn Jordan, and I am married and have two children. My husband is Frank. Most people know him as Bubba. And uh, our children are Frank. He's 12, and Celie is 9. And Frank is our uh, son with um, daily needs. And so kind of similar to Kelly, we, um, we were on our last appointment to have Frank, and the doctor said he was going to be 9 pounds. He was 10 days early, and we were going to do a C-section, and we said, let's go with it. And so we did, and um, when he was born, I knew nothing nothing was going on. I couldn't see anything. I think they brought him over, you know, wrapped up, and I kissed him or something, and then they started doing what they do. And um, I remember my husband coming in and saying, there's something wrong with his arms. And he said he could see when they took Frank over to the table after being born, one of the nurses lifted up his arm, and it just thunk, went back down on the table, no movement. 
And so um, we knew within about an hour of him being born, which is a wonderful God thing because I've come to learn that many families did not know for a, a longer period of time. And so uh, we knew he had a condition called arthrogryposis multiplex congenita. I'm just going to call it AMC for short. <laughs> and this, <laughs> this condition affects the joints um, and the muscles in the limbs. So typically it affects children um, at birth and it's in their arms and their legs. So Frank only had this in his arms and the way he was born, um, his arms were kind of rotated in, the shoulders were rotated in internally. There was no, there, it, it didn't even look like there was an elbow and it did not look like there were hands. I mean, his hands were essentially kind of flipped all the way down and touching his wrist. And so it was extremely terrifying because we'd never heard of this and didn't know what this was or what we were gonna do. <laughs> And um, our medical community is incredible because they, they hooked us up pretty quickly with an occupational therapist who we did not see for about 30 days. So we were at home for 30 days, trying to be as typical as we could, um, crying every day. I think Frank was crying every day. He was colicky. So everybody was crying in our home <laughs> for 30 days. And um, we essentially connected with uh, an occupational therapist at Children's who had been working with this condition for 25 years. And she started feeling around in his little hands and arms, and I'm sure I'm crying. And I remember her saying, he's gonna be able to use his hands. And that was just the very first God moment for me, was that, okay, there's this tiny little glimmer of hope that something's, you know, we're gonna get there. And she put these little bitty splints on him, and I brought him. Um, because yeah, I had to pull them out. I have, I have tons of these of all different sizes <laughs> and all this Velcro. I mean, I've got a drawer full of this stuff. And she put these little splints on him and we went home and we stretched him and we stretched him forever. I mean, seemed like forever. And uh, she, um, those little arms, those hands came out and those arms turned around. And it was, again, just another little tiny progression of hope. And we've been years of... Um, Therapy. We've been at um, hand in hand. I think somebody mentioned that earlier, um, which was so you know kind of how we got there. Essentially, was through this community. Um, we did not live in Vestavia, and we came to Vestavia because we had heard. I had talked to a mom who had raised her child here, who has what Frank has, and it was she could not say enough good things. And um, through one of my husband's clients, we wound up at hand in hand, and they uh, virtually. Um, taught him many, many things, um, how to feed himself, how to dress himself. Um, these were all things that were challenging because he could not bend his arms. And so we have, just through the power of community, um, found our way to an amazing orthopedic surgeon. Uh, we, were, we were told by the medical community here, uh, surgery was a, just a last-ditch effort. There were some pretty antiquated things that were out there, beliefs, that when children have this and their arms are straight like this, that one arm should be permanently bent and one should be permanently straight. And I mean, you can imagine the challenges if one arm can never straighten and one arm can never bend. And so the, our doctors were like, that is just last ditch effort. And so we have found our way to this surgeon who has done some pretty progressive things around um, surgical procedures and um, muscle transfers and um, it's really been, the journey has been um, kind of rough in waves, if you will, but um, these tiny little progressions that um, have come our way and these connections to the community have 
um, really brought us to a point today where he's quite fairly independent. Um, and so that's kind of where we are today. So pass along to Marty. Um, my name's Marty Register. I live here in Vestavia. I am married, have two children, a daughter that's 13 and a son that is 10. Um, my story is different in that my son has autism, Autism Awareness Month. Um, so that's not something you know at birth. It's not something you go home from the hospital with. So we, um, I will tell you this, Mathis was born March 1st, 2009, a Sunday morning Sabbath. I wake up, there's over two and a half inches of snow, beautiful snow on the ground, March 1st. Um, Amy and Joe Pfeiffer set my husband and I up, so they were the, <laughs> she sometimes gets my blessing and my curses. Um, <laughs> so I call Amy and I'm like, um, I'm having labor pains, I'm gonna have this baby today, but Mary Chapel's got to play in the snow, so help me figure this out. Like you, <laughs> I need you to come get her, I need her to be in the snow, but I gotta get to the hospital. So we have Mathis on that day, now Jackson and I laugh. Um, that was absolutely God's warning shot to us that um, this path is not the path that you think you're about to walk. So um, that being so different, and, um, and it has been very different. I'm trying not to get emotional. So we lived very normal. Everything was as we thought it should be for two years, really. Um, he did every milestone he was supposed to meet. Everything was very, quote, unquote, typical. Um, and we knew having our daughter prior, so it all looked and felt and seemed like we, we've got the life that we had prayed for. Um, about two, I started suspecting speech delays. He had language, but it wasn't building. So you start doing those, um, go to the doctor, go to the pediatrician, I'm kind of concerned, do you think? I don't think it's a big deal. We'll get him evaluated. We did evaluations. They were like, I wouldn't even really classify this as a delay. Let's just keep our eyes on it. Well, any of you with anything, not just children, our parents and everything else that you just have to kind of watch and keep an eye on will make you crazy. So um, I had already diagnosed him by two and a half autism just via the internet own self. Um, but we didn't get a firm diagnosis until three and a half. I will say this, through all of that, we did our diagnosis down in Tuscaloosa at the Rise Center, and that psychiatrist could not have handled us better. Of course, my poor husband, who is um, emotional anyway, just could not pull it together. I should have recorded everything she said because he remembers nothing. But um, <laughs> she was awesome in that she was like, do not cap this child. Do not set his boundaries. Do not set his limits because you don't know what they are. And, you, and she was a Christian and prayed, and so, um, that has carried me through Mathis up until today. I don't. We continue to put into a college fund. We continue to assume that he's going to do everything he wants to do. There's certainly differences when you're raising a neurotypical child and then raising a child that needs additional help and assistance. I really, as much as I love Mary Chapel, I don't think past 18 with her, this is her life. I mean, she's going to make those decisions. She's going to do those things. And so with a child like Mathis, I mean, I have to be pragmatic, so I have to think forward into his future. Um, I, I pray to God that he gives me just 10 seconds past Mathis' life. I just need to know that I'm there for him. I'm learning to let go of some of that and just have faith. Um, I'll get into a funny story later about how I got faithful for Mathis. Um, well, I'll go ahead and tell you now. It's going to be one of Robin's questions. but. 
<laughs> once we started everything and then we did get our firm diagnosis and we had already started some early intervention things I just knew to go ahead I told Jackson just I'm not putting my head in the sand you just hit your knees pray I'm wasting our time and wasting our money but we're going to start these things we're starting therapies and so we started all of that and um but I got angry I mean I got mad I got um it's very isolating and very lonely at times to have a child that can be so different and not, um, but he looks so typical. And so I've had friends with children with different diagnosis and special situations that say, it does break my heart when I'm with you. When we walk in somewhere, I immediately get empathy. They see my child, they see the physical difference and they give us a heart, they give grace. You <laughs> get get that child together. I mean, what, what's this mama doing? Why can't she control this child? And, and I've learned to just give grace to the man in Gatlinburg that was like, I'm about to wear that boy out for you, you know, and just things that people don't, I do know their intent is good, but it's hard when you see this seemingly perfectly typical child that is not neurologically typical. Um, so all that to say, I did get very angry and very um, down, isolated myself. Thank God for good friends and community that um, fight for me. So many people in here that I can look at and say, I mean, have fought for me. I mean, just really, Amy was like, mm -mm, I'm gonna see your face. I don't care if you haven't brushed your teeth in two days. We're, <laughs> uh, you're, gonna, you're gonna come over here. I found a group of other mothers with common situations that just, we get together every Wednesday. And if I didn't have them, and it's, they're amazing because it's not, complaining sessions or what if why us it's how do we move forward how do we help the world how do we get these children and other children accepted and um cared for and so it's really been amazing but my funny story is i have always been a christian i lived by do unto others as you would have them do unto you and i said i wasn't going to say this because my parents are wonderful people but i was just sort of raised as a surface christian in a baptist church in a small southern town so sort of raised in a little bit of that fear base and um, that kind of thing. So I've never really depended on God, but I never really had to. And then I won't go into this backstory, but my husband and I have known hard. Um, Rascal Flats wrote, God, the broken road. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was for us. <laughs> so we have been on broken roads. We've known hard, but we haven't known broken. And when we had Mathis and all of this, it really did break us. Um, and so I was so disappointed and frustrated with God and just, I've tried, I'm giving it to you, this isn't working, he's not, in a child like Mathis, you see some progressions, but then you see a lot of regressions and a lot of these mamas can attest, especially in the beginning. And so um, I had given up, I was done, I'm not praying anymore and I'm embarrassed to tell you, I talked to the Lord like you shouldn't talk to anybody cussed and mad and I'm done and I will not hit my knees again because it doesn't mean anything and you're not helping and I don't feel this I don't feel you with us and um went to Whole Foods and I'm literally walking to Whole Foods right in produce and two nuns in full habit are standing there <laughs> and I was like and my eyes are still puffy and still and I was like and I've now hindsight, just like Mathis being born in March and snow, I see that God gives signs. I just prior just ran too hard and fast to pick them up. And so I tried to lose those women. I, I mean, I'm talking rosary and all, and I'm like booking it down aisles and I would turn and there they were. And I was like, all right. So that was it. I mean, that took me to my knees and a dear friend has given me a quote that says, when life is more than you can stand, kneel 
and I left Whole Foods. I didn't even leave. I went and had to sit in a booth by myself. So if you see some weird woman sitting in a booth, I mean, they are usually probably just getting real spiritual. And I was like, I, I see it. I hear you. I feel you. I feel you, and you've got me. And so that is where I really just handed it over. I handed myself over. And from that moment forward, I genuine, genuinely can say I have felt God in our life and just giving us the turn and making my heart more open to wanting to be with people that could support me spiritually and knowing that God does have this. I can only do so much on this earthly walk and um, that I've got to hand him over. And then I will say that I've done the freedom group through Highlands a couple of times. <laughs> and that's where I've had to give math. I've handed math this over for a long time. I, Jesus, take the will. I would say, take it. And I would blare that song, but I would not loosen my grip. I had him. I was going to find every doctor he was supposed to be with. I was going to do all that. Now I finally have handed him over to that. This is your child before it's mine. And I'm just here as the mother on earth and you're his father in heaven, and you will guide him and take me, guide me, and take us. So um, that's kind of our story. Once we hit two and a half, we knew three and a half, we got a firm diagnosis. And then from there, it's just kind of doctors and therapies and all. But I will say this, I was telling Carolyn, I have been so grateful for this community because it is such a lonely place at times, and it can get so dark. And I didn't hesitate to share my story, but I kind of was like, it can be real raw and dark still, so I don't want to depress people. <laughs> but I got my bow, not that anyone, that's why I told Sarah Beth, I said, you know, there's not a bow on my story yet. And she was like, nobody has a bow yet. We're all still walking and we're all still. So um, that is um, where we are. I'm sorry, I'm rambling. I'm going to let Robin take it. Uh, I'm going to jump around a little bit. Will you all both just tell your faith journeys as well? Um, jump out of order on the questions but well as far as um i mean i grew up here in vestavia at vestavia methodist um i've always been a believer i mean i've never had one of those knock your socks off you know i'm right here with you but i will say in relation to vaughn i um, my faith has grown tremendously um through this journey and i'm for that i'm so grateful um i I guess my biggest kind of aha moment with um, with God was, he, I, you know, I told you he kind of really showed me that he was there, you know, and had been there all along. And um, but I, I remember Vaughn stayed in the hospital 10 days after we had him. And um, and I was, you know, it was we were just kind of it wasn't normal. My big boys were up here in Birmingham with my parents. And so it was just Matt and I and I was trooping it back and forth to the hospital every three hours to feed him. And it was just very odd. Um, but I was, I'm not an emotional person in the sense of like, oh, I didn't want anybody to feel sorry for me. You know, this was just where we were. And, um, and so I think I held a lot of emotion in. And I remember waking up um, in the middle of the night um, and I, I, my face was wet. I had been crying in my sleep and which is, you know, probably very typical because I'm not much of a crier. Um, and, I, and I was bugged with God. I really was that, I don't know if angry, I was just kind of bugged, like, and, and <laughs> told Robin when we were talking about this, I got a lot of crosses that say, you are fearfully and wonderfully made, you know, Psalm 139, you are fearfully and wonderfully made, and I, and I just remember thinking, okay, really, like, why is that a good idea, like, what's so fearful and wonderful about this kid that's going to have hard forever, you know, like, everything's going to be hard for him, everything's going to be hard for us, like, what part of you thought this was going to be nice to him, you know, was kind of where I was. So it was more like, 
not necessarily angry that this is where you have me, but I'm kind of bugged that you think this is fearful and wonderful, you know, um, and that it's in your image. And I remember sitting at my desk downstairs and I had, I was like, I am pulling that Bible out. I'm going to read that whole Psalm 139. I'm going to see what this really is about. And as I began to read it, I really felt the need to put my name in that scripture and so it wasn't all of a sudden it, the scripture was not about Vaughn being fearfully and wonderfully made and that all the days were ordained for him it was me so I just I feel like God just quickly showed me like this is this is your time you know you were made for this you are fearfully and wonderfully made in my image and your days are ordained and Dr. Corey even told you this was decided a long time ago so all of these things started coming back to me um, and it was in that moment that I feel like that grief or being bugged with God kind of went away for me because it was like, okay, well, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, you know, and, and I've, I've got this. I was perfectly made for this. We're the perfect parents. We're the this. All of those little things that were kind of coming back. And, and one of the other things that I think is unique about my story is um, I, in, in three different phases of my life, I've had very close people tell me that I told them this was after Vaughn was born, that I was going to have a child with Down syndrome, which is hilarious because I do not remember those conversations. Um, I even told Matt when we were dating, my favorite TV show was Life Goes On, and it has the young man with Down syndrome on it. And he was like, really? And I was like, yeah, just very random. But I feel like that God in each little phase of my life almost was just readying my heart for what was to come. So I think if Vaughn would have been my 18th child, he was going to have Down syndrome. Um, so... In that, I feel so much comfort, and I feel like my faith has grown tremendously to know that, um, yes, I grew up in church, and I was very involved in youth group and young life, and I love Jesus and all of those great things, but to really think that he was right there preparing me for what I'm doing today is just overwhelming. It really is overwhelming to me. So, yes, Vaughn has strengthened my faith, and the fact that God's been on this journey with us this whole time has been a big, big growth for me. So, okay. So I was, um, I was pretty raw for a very long time, probably years, um, just not knowing what this is, not knowing what to expect, not knowing a lot of people who had it. There aren't a ton of people. I think there are 3,000 people in the world who have what Frank has, so there's just not a whole lot out there. Um, and we had these tiny little progressions and these tiny little miracles, because I remember calling them miracles when those hands pulled out and um, when he picked up a fork after a multitude of occupational therapists taking these spoons and bending them around and putting these things on him. And he was like, I don't have anything to do with that. And he picked up a fork at three for the first time and stabbed it. It was a sloppy Joe. <laughs> and he stabbed it and he fed himself. And so th there's so many of those little things that happened throughout our story. But I remember when Frank was, I don't know, I'm going to say first or second grade, maybe second grade, maybe, I don't even know if we'd had a surgery yet. I can just remember riding home from somewhere and he was in the back seat and this little voice just said mama god made me special didn't he and i um i'd forgotten about that story until we were prepping for this and i remember that moment thinking yes buddy he did <laughs> and it's going to be okay and he is so incredibly strong i was not going to cry <laughs> <laughs> and um his confidence and his just ability to deal is um, 
I mean, I think that is God speaking through me to him because I don't, I still to this day don't have that confidence that he has. And I just, I think that's where it all just set in for me that God has got this. He's got him. He's got us. And, you know, it's not going to end. There's no bow on our story, but mm-hmm. we're still going to, we still have a long road in these tiny progressions, but he's going to take care of us. And that's, yeah, that's it. That's our story. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, what, what does day-to-day life look like for y'all? Just kind of day in, day out life. Um, day in, day out. It, I will tell you there is a, still a lot of hard with Mathis just being 10 and, um, he is at, he is verbal, which I'm blessed in that, but, um, his processing, his neurological is very delayed and off. And, um, so he gets very frustrated easily. So that's hard. So he, he can be really, um, the psychiatrist when we had a diagnose, of course, we can't just have autism. We have ADHD <laughs> off the charts. We are all boy. And so the, I don't know if he was, the psychiatrist was in the best way he could was like, you've just got the perfect storm. Like he's just, you know, yeah. So, so get ready to weather this. And I have to be that calm in the storm. So, um, we, again, I go back to family or to community and friends and everything else. And I have a sweet friend here that has a place at the lake that has just been so dear to us. And we can't, it's hard for us to commit to a lot of things. And um, so I've had to just be real open and real with the dear friends that we do have and say, I'd like to be there. We're going to play this one by ear. We'd like to go to the beach. We're going to play this one by ear. And then I've just been fortunate that people pull in and say, no, we've, we're here. We've got this. We can help. We can. Um, so daily, it's a lot of therapy. Um, Kelly Rayner has been a blessing to me because I've kind of latched onto her and like, okay, help me get through some of this to go interview some of these therapy facilities and meet these directors and everything else. And um, she was like, we're in there and we're getting quotes and times and all this. And she was like, hey, this is their travel ball. This is this is what we do. This is what we're going to be doing. <laughs> um, so, uh, so that is that's our day. I mean, our, yeah. The hard for me right now, and I pray that this will subside as we kind of go. But because Mathis can be um, so active and kind of difficult, I a lot of times can't get outside of a certain radius of the school because I might have to go pick him up or, you know, things like that that are different for you all that you kind of hopefully get, I, with my daughter, I get that blessing of taking her to school and I know I'll see her at three and I don't have to worry about it. Where with Mathis, I, I'm trying to get to the gym at eight so maybe I can, you know, get through 930. Um, but so that's kind of our daily, a lot of therapies, a lot of, but a lot of fun too. Anyone that knows Mathis knows that you never know what's coming out of his mouth. He can be hilarious and precious and sweet as difficult as he can be at times. So um, that's us. So our daily is, so we've been very fortunate to have these three surgeries that have given Frank a lot of um, independence, flexibility. I mean, we've just come such a long way. But daily for us is still just those things that I even take for granted myself, just getting a shirt on and off. Socks are really hard. so grateful for, I was looking around for some OnClouds, I don't see any, but OnCloud has no idea how their super cool shoes make our life so much easier because there's no laces and tying laces is just, uh, we haven't even, we really have not even made a huge effort to do that yet. But so it's just things like that. Um, You know, he was, we were at the beach a few weeks ago 
riding a bike is just not something he really could balance. Falling would be an issue. And so there were those big um, tricycle, you know, the big ones that they have down on the beach. And we went to go look at him, and he didn't want to do it. Nobody else is doing it. I don't want to do it. And so um, we did it anyway. And the guy that was offering up the bikes was like, just get on, ride it around. And sure enough, he got on the bike, and he started to ride around. And he didn't get off. He was riding. I mean, that's the first time I've ever seen him on a bike and is riding around with all the other kids and just having a great time. And so it really is just those little daily things. I know he has a very sweet, he has very sweet friends. Um, but one sweet friend, her, her mother is in this room and just helping him at school, like opening up a bottle of Gatorade or um, I'm trying to think what else at school. He's got a, um, those lockers at Pizzitz are really hard for him to just open. So having um, the school has worked beautifully with us on making things work for him so that he can just walk in and open up his locker in a little bit of a different way. And, you know, they just, they've been so wonderful. And so it's just it's little things like that um, that will hopefully, you know, we like to think with a lot of hard work because we'll kind of come and go in waves of things that we need to focus on. He should be able to accomplish more. Um, but that's our daily life today. Well, I, Matt and I live by a mantra that Vaughn is one-fifth of our family, and yes, therapy does count as travel ball or whatever you would be <laughs> investing. So I, Matt always says you're, you know, that he'll always be like, are you drinking Kool-Aid? Like, is this the Down syndrome Kool-Aid? You know, because a lot of times I can read something, I research, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is it. Matt, this is it. This is going to be an amazing therapy. We're going to do this. And I'm like, and it only costs, you know. <laughs> and so he'll have to kind of reel me back in, you know, one-fifth of the family, Kelly. He's one-fifth of the family. So we kind of do have to live by that mantra. But our day-to-day life is – is um we're, we have a lot of, I have three boys in my house, you know, we have a lot of fun, but, um, but it's hard. Um, Vaughn is not very verbal. Um, I worry about him a lot. You know, he goes to school. I'm so thankful for the sweet friends he has in school because, um, I, I tell at his IEP meeting every year, I always say, imagine your kid getting in the car with duct tape on his mouth after school, because that's essentially what it feels like some days. Like I want to, you know, and he's also a very typical boy where I'm like, so what'd you do at school today? Nope. I'm like, well, so did y'all play on the playground? And then he'll go, all done. So he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't want to answer a lot of questions either. So, but, you know, some of those fear, you know, what did you work on in, in class? What, and he'll continue to tell me, all done, all done. So some of the things that you do take for granted with a child that's going to come in from school, even if they go, if it's a boy and they go, it's fine, you know, you can tell by the tone of their voice, was it really fine or was it just fine? You know, and so that's some of the things for me that um, are hard because I'm a little bit, Marty and I are a lot of like, I'm, I'm somewhat of a, I have a hard time releasing Vaughn. Um, he is wide open and will walk out a door without telling you they're getting that verbal issue um, and where he's headed. So um, we've had quite a few scares in our 10 years. I think the biggest one, and I, I thank God for it every day, but it was on Thanksgiving day and um, he was four years old. There were 32 people in my parents' home and he walked out a back door and the gates were open and it was probably, you know, 10 minutes before anybody realized he was missing and a cute, precious couple picked him up on Dolly Ridge Road. So um, he was barefoot with Elmo under one arm and Grover <laughs> under the other could not tell them his name, could not tell him what house he had come from. Um, 
So that, I thank God that he saved his life and that it was Thanksgiving Day and Dolly Ridge Road was not um, crowded. But um, but I also, I feel like that day was monumental in the sense of we we worry every place that we go that is unknown to us. So Matt and I always laugh, where's Vaughn is the worst two words in the English language. <laughs> so, um, because you can be at a basketball game and it's, you know, or we always say, if we, if Matt and I sit down at the lake, like if we're with our family and everybody go, where's Vaughn? We're like, he's in the lake. You know, can we sit down for a minute? So, um, anyway, so that, that probably for us, I mean, you know, we just moved to a new home has, we only had three doors in our other house and one of them went to the backyard. So we only had two outdoor exits with really tall latches up at the top. And we've moved to a new home with a lot of exterior exits and we have, the old-fashioned, you know, baby doorknobs on them now. So we're just kind of trying to navigate our way, but um, but his safety is of utmost concern for us, and a lot of that goes back to him just not being able to be verbal and say, I want to go play outside in the front yard. Can you go with me? You know, so anyway. Um, Y'all may have already answered answered some of this, but um, what would you like people to know about your family and your dynamics that – and, and you may have answered some of this, but um, do y'all have more that you want to share on just what you want people to know? I'll let Kelly yeah. start. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think the biggest thing as far as dynamics for my family would be um, just that we are, I mean, we're a normal family. We've, we've got three boys. They're wide open. Um, that Vaughn brings a lot of, you know, life, good and bad to our family. Um, I think that one of the other things, if I probably could speak for a lot of my friends that have kids with varying needs, they're expensive. <laughs> so um, that, you know, I feel like that's been a big, um, we've, we've made choices um, because of the expenses of some of the things that we've, we've done for Vaughn or with Vaughn. And there again, that one fifth, we remind ourselves a lot that he is one fifth of our family but there is a, you do feel a priority because some of the things that we can do for him and offer him are going to create that independence for him. We have a college fund too, and I'm like pumped about all these programs that these colleges are offering now. Um, but that, that is, it's, it's real. You know, it's one of those where, you know, you can talk about dance or basketball and yeah, but it, it's expensive to have a child with different needs. And, um, and so you have to make decisions based on that. And then also, I think the other thing that I would love for people to know is that it's not that it can be isolating and, and you don't, and it's not that you don't want to be places, but it's just hard to be places sometimes. Um, and that is, I feel like for Matt and I, I mean, we've, we have a lot of fun together as our own family, but sometimes it can be, feel exhausting at the age that Vaughn is now um, because he's 10 and it, you know, we shouldn't be worried. But if we go to like a social function where children are, are included, um, we're chasing him around. We're not really visiting with adults. And so we feel so safe and secure at home. And so we tend to stay there. Um, and I have to remind myself, don't let this, don't be a prisoner in your home because of him. Like he's not going to learn unless you get him out there. But sometimes it is nice just to be home. So do you have anything else? You go ahead. I'm, I'm so confused. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say with, with autism, one of the big things is if you Google it and get the definition, it's that they do with the neurological um, disorder, some of the obvious symptoms are they seem 
because a lot are nonverbal, um, but they seem like they have difficulty interacting with others and socialization and all of that kind of thing. And I have surrounded myself with a lot of autism. And I can tell you I have not met one yet that does not want interaction, does not want peer, even if they're not verbal and you have no idea as you're up there talking to them and making that eye contact and you don't feel like you're really receiving anything back. Trust me, they, if they could get it out and through their hearts, they are feeling it and want it. And so um, that's hard for Matt. I, I, it's hard for me with Mathis and he is verbal. It's not always functional language and doesn't always make a lot of sense, but he is the first when I start talking about something who's like, am I going? Can I go? Can I be there? Am I? So he really um, wants to be included. It's not always easy. And sometimes, again, I feel bad because I don't want to commit to people because we may have to be out in five minutes. We may stay for two hours. We may overstay our welcome, but we may have to go really early or, you know, kind of just depending. So I would want people to know that about autism is that it, it, it comes across sometimes that people think they want that isolation, but I do not believe that to be true with the people I'm around. Um, and that just, um, I don't know, I, our life is different. We do have to look at it differently. And um, Jackson and I laugh, like probably majority of you, which I'm so grateful you have the future of your retirements to look forward to and all this. Well, Jackson and I are probably going to be in Orlando working at Disney with Mathis. So <laughs> if y'all want to go, that's, that's our end goal. That's what we work for. That's how we get through a day at school. I'm like, you have to learn so we can go to Disney, because we will all be working there. So keep in touch with me, and y'all are welcome to come stay in Orlando. Um, so our retirement shifted. I mean, we wanted an RV to travel and like go to different golf courses and stuff, but we'll be at Disney probably, <laughs> working a ride. Um, so that's <laughs> so it just. But I've had to flow with that, and you just have to. That's that's you know that's God's plan, and that's I believe that I'm just gonna um, I trust and. We'll just keep laughing and moving with it. So this was our first year in middle school ever. No kids before Frank, so we didn't really know what we were getting into with middle school. And I was just anxious because middle school is kind of terrible anyway for everybody, no matter if you have something or not. And so, <laughs> I'm first of all, I'm blown away. I mean, because this is such an amazing place if you live here in Vestavia. But I'm also blown away by his friends and the children, and um, everyone is very kind to him, or at least that's what he tells me. And so I think, you know, my, my thinking on that is what I want, would want people to know is how wonderful that is, or it has been for us so far. And he, do, he just wants to, he just wants to do as much as everybody else can. As much, he knows his limits, and he's a very cautious child, and he's sort of finding his way through. But he, he mostly just wants to be hanging out with friends and you know just being a part of things and um it's really been a blessing our experience so far in middle school so hope it stays that way <laughs> well, those are the end of our questions do y'all have questions anybody try well i guess you specifically if speech is difficult is um signing an option we did so we um, we did sign when he was little, um, but not, you know, there again, it's one of those, I was so worried that he would rely on that and not, um, 
and not use verbal language and um, and which was a silly fear and I wished I would have probably done more um, but you don't know you can't you don't have a crystal ball um, and I, I did tell Robin I, I have to and I, I'm better now and able to kind of look into Vaughn's future, like thinking about college and, and things farther down the road. But when he was little, I was kind of a one day at a time kind of girl. Um, and so, but that was one of those, I was so fearful that he would, um, he would rely too heavily on it and not use verbal language. But if I could have looked in the future, I think it would have helped some of those other concerns that we safety concerns really that we had, because he would have been able to use it better. We've tried everything. We've done some, we've done a lot of different you know, alternative communication. He's doing so much better. He really is. It's just um, when it's in his head, it's, he's, you know, rubber meets the road. I'm going. So <laughs> whether I need to let you know or not. So, <laughs> yeah. How do you, or I guess you all, um, I'm trying to ask this the right way, with your typical kids that you have, and then you have, you know, the special needs ones, how do you um, kind of balance your focus, like make it kind of, I don't know if the word's equal across the board, but how do like your typical kids react to, you know, their brother or sister with the special needs with, you know, all your focus is so mm -hmm. on them, how do you not leave the other ones out. I don't know if I'm asking that right. Mm -hmm. No, I know, I understand I what you're saying. Like, do you, do you, you want to talk about that? You know, how, do you, how does that dynamic, you know, yeah. work when you're like, we want to take them somewhere really fun, like yeah. Disney, but we know we can't take, you know, the other one or just going on a family hike or something. Like, yeah, this comes up in our house a lot. Um, so my younger daughter is, um, she's very spunky and feisty and she will get in our face when she's feeling like you're leaving me out or it's all about Frank and we do hear that a lot it's all about Frank so last year we had to be gone on her birthday Frank was having surgery on her birthday we were in Philadelphia and stuff like that pops up all the time so I really have to I have to um, step back and and really I mean it's not forcing myself it's just remembering I am spending a lot of time with Frank and having to you know, reroute because it, it comes up a lot and she will say things a lot. So I, I don't want her to feel like we're not spending time with her. So it is, it's a challenge. Mm -hmm. It's a challenge. Well, I would say I kind of, with our daughter, I mean, she's older, so that kind of helps, but, um, we really do talk to her about like, this is God's plan and this is the family he gave, you know, built for us. And so, um, it wouldn't have been really, I mean, nothing. I mean, I was raised with siblings. It's never perfectly even or fair or whatever. So I learned that along, you know, so we really do talk with her about that. Like we want her, we try to really encourage the communication from her side of it because the reality is he does infringe on some things. I mean, it is hard to watch sometimes when she's ready to go do something or I'm, you know, and he's in a spiral and then has melted down and I'm like, baby, I can't, I mean, I can't get him in a car right now. We can't go right now. We can't. So she has sacrificed more than a 13-year-old in her life should have. But I do believe in um, God's plan for her and that this is going to make her stronger and more empathetic and um, better long-term as far as, because, you know, that's really a lesson we all need to learn. Life isn't all about you. I <laughs> mean, you know, it doesn't yeah. just revolve. And yeah. so that we do, but we really make an effort to talk to her about that and, and to 
come to us, like when you are feeling it, because, you know, our marriage feels it. I mean, that was one thing we had talked about. There's no question that our marriage has, has strained over special needs, sorry. That, um, and so that going into play too, that Jackson and I feel like we're not getting time for one another. We're not, or time for ourselves or one another or other friendships or things like that. So it pulls the whole family, but um, the sibling thing with them being children, you certainly, um, and so we laugh with her. We're like, look, I'm sure we will be in therapy in your twenties and that's okay. <laughs> like it's, you know, I mean, we're all right with you dragging us in. Um, but we, so we just do the best our, we can with communication and her friends. I mean, that's, I'm looking at tons of these mama's faces of her dear friends that, I mean, there are days I'll look at them in the rear view mirror and he's lost his mind. And I'm thinking, what is that child thinking? And they're just like smiling and rolling with it. And so it's, it's funny how it, well, and I, you know, it's funny when Vaughn was born, I remember asking my pediatrician, and we lived in Montgomery at the time, um, like, what do I tell my kids, you know? And she was like, it'll it'll come up at the right time, you know, whatever. And so when we moved up here when Vaughn was one, um, Matt, we'd never, I mean, he was Vaughn. I mean, he was not, there was no diagnosis attached to him. It was just their brother. And um, I remember being on the playground at Bird Park and a little boy, came up to Matthew and was like, hey, does your brother have special needs? And he was like, no. And they were like, yeah, he does. And he was like, no, he doesn't. And I was like, oh, dear. And so I was like, might be, might be time to have the talk. So, I mean, I told Matt, it was like, I was like, Matt, I really, I think that, like, now that we're here and people don't know us, like, I feel like we, we're, like, kind of that new family. You know, that family that moved in, they have the little boy with Down syndrome. I was like, I feel like, like, it's time for us to kind of, like, let it, let the kids in on the secret, you know. And, um, and so Matt was like, whatever, that's fine. Do whatever you want to. So I sat Matthew down because I guess he was in the first grade. And, um, and I was like, hey, buddy. I want to talk to you about Vaughn and he was like okay what and I was like so Vaughn was born with and I like went into the whole scenario and he was like uh, and I was like okay so are you good is that good and he was like yeah I mean it's Vaughn I was like okay yeah it's Vaughn and so Matt was like how did it go and I was like I think about like the sex talk might go when he's <laughs> he did not really care about chromosomes he did not really want to hear anything about it so um but, but it really, you know, I, I mean, to both of their ends, yeah, he's a lot of work and they, you know, they're following him around too. And it's, it, it really, but I don't, I don't feel sorry for him. I felt sorry for him when he was born. I was worried about him when he was born. Um, but I think that God has gifted them with empathy, with compassion. Um, they're still booger bears. I mean, they're not always kind and sweet and nice, but um, I think for some of the, the maybe hard that a 15 and 13 year old have had to go through since he has been a you know but he's always been there and it's always been well I don't know if we're gonna be able to do that with Vaughn but now Disney World is pretty fun with a friend with special needs so they are like can we go again tomorrow so um, I, it, it really is so nice so there are uh, certain things where you realize the community you know I always say there's no special lines at Publix when I'm in my IEP I'm like y'all quit doing special stuff for him because there will never be a line in Publix that has if you have certain diagnosis you can come to this line and we'll do everything for you and so uh, that's kind of my mantra for my own self too like don't do it for him because there's never gonna be a special line at Publix and so it's kind of the um I mean our kids are 
the three of us, I mean, our kids are growing up in a world that is not designed for them. Um, but I think that the more we can help them navigate that world that's not designed for them and that my children, other children, see that the world's not designed for these types of friends make them see the world differently um, and it makes them better helpers. So for the sacrifices that they do have to go through at times, I think that it will in the long run be beneficial. Anybody else have a question? So, I mean, I, I pray that our community, that our children through awareness is, are so much more inclusive than maybe the communities that, the age that we grew up in. But what are, what are some things that, that could go above and beyond, that we can talk to our kids about, that we can help them be better friends and be not just, oh, you're different and cute and I'm nice to you, but actual friendships and inclusiveness. Like, mm -hmm. how, do we, how do we talk? How, how can we do that or help that? Wait, Mary, you made a guess. Um, I, I, this, this community is is great. It really is. I feel like that um, our kids just—it's the reason we moved here. I mean, we we lived in Montgomery, and um, Matthew went to private school for kindergarten, and that was pretty much the options there. And so we knew we wanted to be in a public school. Um, but I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. And I said it too, nobody wants to be special, you know. Um, and, and I think that treating children that have differing needs not as a, oh, that's Vaughn, but treating them as a friend. And it's funny, Vaughn's got so many great friends that Matt and I, I mean, I love it. Like, I get so tickled when I'm like, oh, yeah, he's like, he treats me like a 10-year-old boy. He's like, stop. Like, what are you doing? You know, where <laughs> I feel like that I can be more tolerant of Vaughn enjoying things that might not be typical for his age. Um, a lot of his good friends, and there's some of the mamas in here, they're very honest with him, and they help him in that way. And I think that that's important to tell your children they want to be your friend and they want to see the things that you enjoy now if they come over to my home and play and Vaughn still loves to play with Sesame Street puppets you know or stuffed animals or whatever and he's got sweet friends that'll get right in there and do that with him but they also be like let's go jump on the trampoline or let's go hit the baseball they also introduce him to activities that they enjoy and that's how friendships that's how relationships work you know I like to do this you like to do that I'll do this with you for a little while. Let's do this too. So I think just encouraging your children to be the same type of friend to them as they would be to any other child would probably be the biggest gift um, to that community of friends. So. <laughs> um, a couple of years ago, a dad in this community who I did not know has uh, uh, children Frank's age, and he reached out to me and said, can I, can I um, share with you an idea and um, I, I, didn't, I didn't actually talk to him. My husband did. And um, he wanted Frank to be on their baseball team. Um, and he initially, and there's this, we, we don't, we, I think we did one year of t-ball, and then we didn't do any baseball after that. But there's an app that the teams use to track stats. And he wanted Frank to come on and, and do that for their team. And um, it was kind of a game changer um, for us because, you know, a Saturday morning would be like, I want so-and-so to come over. I want so-and-so to come over. Well, everybody is at the same place. Most, most friends are at the ballpark. And so it has allowed us to be a part of that, um, of that community. And it's different. He is in the dugout. He is running stats. He is 
um, doing things differently, but he goes to every practice. We don't miss practice. We do all these things, and um, it's just allowed him to be a part of something that, you know, previously not. So just that dad thinking outside of the box a little bit, it's pretty cool. <laughs> so just things like that, thinking outside of the box. Um, I would say, too, we've just had great experiences with Mathis. It's funny. He'll come home, and he can talk. And, again, it's not always, like I said, functional language. But he'll talk about a friend, and he'll say, he really likes me. Like, so he <laughs> feels love. Like, he, these, these kids are super kind and super, you know, um, sweet in that way that they feel it and they know it. And so I'm so grateful for that. Um, I, I was just thinking of a child that um, – when we were in kindergarten, kind of connected with Mathis, and then the school kind of latched onto him, and he was sort of Mathis's go-to friend throughout stuff. And when he was in second, no, his, he's repeating third grade this year, his first round of third grade, the third grade teacher came to me about two weeks in, and she said, hey, how do you feel about some of the other kids doing stuff with Mathis, like taking him back to um, the special ed room and things like that? She said, because they are like they can't take it that just John Brooks gets to do it. Like, they want to be a part of this. They want – so I would say y'all are really doing a great job with your kids. I think that the world has come so far in inclusion and acceptance, and there is such a push, and I think – and that comes from home. And I, I think this community does do a great job of that because not one day in his, you know, five years of school has he come home and I felt like he was treated unkindly or, you know, that kind of thing. So thank you all. Thanks for joining us for Kelly, Marty, and Carolyn's stories. I hope that they were insightful and encouraging. And for those of you mamas out there who also have a child with some type of special need, I hope you realize you are not alone and there are others out there who are walking this path and have the same day in and day out struggles. And I just hope that listening to the stories today maybe gave you a glimpse of hope or maybe even a new perspective that you can apply to your daily routines. We will be back in two weeks. So instead of an episode next Wednesday, it'll be two weeks from today. We're taking off the rest of Holy Week to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. So happy Easter to all of you. And we are so grateful for our listeners. You're always welcome to reach out to us through social media or through our website, which is storytellerslive.org. We love to hear from you, get feedback. If there's any way that we can pray for you, uh, that would be a privilege for us. Thank you again for listening. And we hope that you'll join us again soon.